0: Today I'd like to share with you a message uh, I believe if applied could truly change the way we live, the way we treat others, the way we honor God. When I was a child I heard a statement, it's a rhyming verse that kind of sticks in your head. I'm sure it had good meaning to the person that came up with it. I'm sure that, hi Ava, how are you? I'm sure that whoever stated it the first time was trying to provide uh, some hope to a child or perhaps another adult who needed it. Uh, Whoever came up with it, I'm sure their intentions were noble and well-meaning, and the statement goes something like this, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. How many of you ever heard that statement? Yeah? How many of you ever said that statement? How many of you believe that statement? Better question might be how many of you believe it still? I just want you to know today, if you're under some false pretense, that statement is a lie. Uh, Whoever came up with it, no matter how well-intentioned, set many of us up with a false belief that we could be beaten with sticks and rocks, and that would hurt for sure, but wouldn't hurt near as bad as the words, because they couldn't damage you at all, really. That's what we were taught to believe, but that's just not true, and unfortunately, life has taught us that the statement is just a falsehood. Perhaps... It could have been better said this way. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words also hurt me. Or sticks and stones break only skin while words are ghosts that haunt me. Pain from words has left its scars on mind and heart that's tender. Cuts and bruises now have healed. It's words that I remember. Another said it this way. You can follow along on the screen. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can do permanent damage. Or someone else who said, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will cripple my unstable and and heavily dependent level of self worth. Or maybe another one, a child who said it best, at least to me, Sticks and stones can break my bones, but names will scar me forever. Could you please just throw rocks? Another kid proverb I thought of this morning, I'm rubber, you're glue, whatever you say bounces off me and sticks on you. Don't you wish that were true? Words are powerful. They have the potential to inflict great pain, cause great harm, or they have the power to encourage, to lift up, to promote, to push to higher levels than someone ever thought they could go. And today I'd like to share with you a message I've simply entitled, The Power of Words. The power of words. Uh, If you turn with me in your Bible to Proverbs, uh, my wife's favorite book of the Bible is Proverbs and uh, she reads her Bible throughout the day but one of the places that she always reads every day is the book of Proverbs. Uh, I think if you get on a habit of that, you can actually read one chapter of Proverbs every day each month and uh, it will challenge you and change your life. Uh, So much wisdom there. Uh, Great things come out of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 18, beginning at verse 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The tongue has the power to bring about death and life, the power to kill, and the power to create. As a matter of fact, we know that the worlds were framed literally by the word of God. And the first chapter of the book of Genesis is filled with this fact, God spoke and things were. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let the waters separate from the land, and it was so. We have oceans, we have land. God said, let the land produce vegetation, and we get kale. (laughs) God said, let there be beasts of the fields and birds of the air, and today for lunch many of you will leave here and eat steak or chicken. The point is, God said it, and it was so. The power of life was in the mouth of God. And then on the sixth day, God created man in his image and he put that same power of life and death within the tongue of man, giving you and I the ability to use our words to do amazing things, unless sin enters the picture. And then we have the ability with our words to bring destruction and chaos. Our tongue is what gives each of us the ability to speak, but the words that you speak don't start at your tongue. They have come from much deeper. They don't just simply open your mouth and words roll off the tongue. They start somewhere else. The power of our tongue originates in our minds or as the Bible describes it, our heart. Luke chapter 6 and verse 45 says, A good man brings good things out of the good that is stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You ever been told you're full of it? I guess the question is, what is your mouth revealing that you're actually full of, right? The tongue and the heart are just muscles in our body, but our minds and the words we say originate out of the treasury of what we have stored up there. If we're storing up good, then good words flow from us. And if we're storing up evil and negative thoughts, and vicious words, vile and wicked for words flow from us. Hurtful things that inflict deep wounds flow out of a heart that is filled with all sorts of wicked. I've got a book in my office called Hurt People, Hurt People. I'll loan it to any one of you if you'd like to read it. But I think you will find that if you do not get healing over the wounds that are within your life, if you are suffering from hurts that have been done to you, things that caused you harm in your life, things that were said over you or to you that caused you pain, and you don't find a place of healing or reconciliation or or a sense of, of feeling, overcoming those things, if you're not careful, you will perpetuate the hurt to the next people that you come across. Because out of a heart that is filled with hurt, hurt comes out. Out of a heart that is filled with vengeance, vengeance comes out. Out of a heart that is filled with, however, love, love comes out. And so it's what's in our heart that comes out. Proverbs 12 and 18 says, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Proverbs 15 and 4 says, gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Gentle words, man, it's like a tree of life. Beautiful opportunity to grow, but deceitful tongues crush our spirit. There's no question that the words we use have power. The Bible says that our words have the power to give life and to bring death and today I want us to explore just how impacting our words can be. As many of you know the last few years have been a pretty tough season physically for me. Uh, I've gone through multiple ankle surgeries uh, three to date including a total ankle replacement that they did about two years ago. It's been giving me some problems of late and I've been through a bunch of tests and it looks like this fall I'll be having a fourth surgery and many of you have known what I've been dealing with and let me tell you your words, that you have, the words you've shared have breathed life into me. Phone calls, text messages, some of which I have read over and over again. Voice messages letting me know that I've been on your mind, that you've been praying for me, you've been thinking about me, that that I'm there, that you're there if I need anything. Those of you that have stopped by my office when you saw me there or caught me in the hall just to share a kind word or a pat on the back or a reminder that you love me, I can't tell you how much they have elevated my spirit even when my body wanted to quit. Words have given me so much hope and joy, and I'm so thankful for your kindness and love for me. And as thankful as I am for that, for me, many of you over your lifetime have experienced the other side of that coin. I have too. The negative, biting, offensive words that leave you hurting, bleeding, in need of healing. It's amazing that out of the same little member of our body can be both the ability to heal and bring hope or to curse and bring destruction. James, the brother of Jesus, writes about that very subject in the third chapter of his book, James chapter 3, beginning at verse 3. He says, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in his mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark, referring to something from the tongue, can set a great forest on fire. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is, a restless, it is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. So today I want you to think about your mouth. I don't want to know how many cavities you got. I don't want to know if your breath smells bad or not. I want you to think about your mouth and the words that come out. Because James says, hey, out of the same mouth, blessing, cursing. Sometimes we praise Jesus. Sometimes we curse his creation. Out of the same mouth, blessing and cursing, these things ought not be. Something is not right. James says the tongue is tough. My wife is a kid. Her family bought and cooked beef tongue. And they must not have cooked it right because I do know people eat it, but it was so tough that they couldn't eat it. And uh, I can, she tells a story, I think, her dad, like in his frustration over not being able to eat it, actually like removed it from the table, threw it in the trash so they didn't have to eat it. And all that tongue had the ability to do was say moo. <laughs> but James says our tongue, with all of the potential of blessing and cursing, all of the t- potential of creative and destructive All of the potential that's there is like a flaming fire set on fire by hell itself. And it's small, but just a bit in the mouth of a horse or rudder on a ship is small, but it controls everything. So the tongue is small, but oh, the difference it makes. It blesses God, curses its neighbor. It can bring about life, death. It seems to be an out-of-control member, and yet with discipline, a pilot learns to control his ship by properly using a rudder. And a horse is guided by a rider who has properly inserted and directed the bit in its mouth. And if the ship can be controlled by the rudder and the horse can be controlled by the rider, when we submit ourselves to Christ, our tongue that may have been used by hell as a chief weapon itself can be disciplined and tamed By you, obviously, as long as you are submitting yourself to Jesus Christ and we are yielded to him. How many of you today would say, I'm submitted to Christ? I have taken the plunge. I confess Jesus with my mouth, which is an important part of what we're talking about today because that's where our connection to Christ starts is with a something we do with our mouth, confessing, confessing Christ. I have surrendered him in my heart. I have sought him for forgiveness of my sin. He has redeemed my past. My present makes sense now because he's in it. He has turned my life around. I'm moving in a new direction. Step by step, I'm growing in God, becoming what he wants me to be. If that's you today, say, yeah, that's me. I'm committed to Jesus. And uh, if that's not you today, if you haven't taken the plunge yet, that's okay. We'll give you an opportunity to do that. Um, but I'm going to give you three principles today, whether you've taken the plunge or not, that I believe if you will begin to use them, you can begin to use your words to bring life and to stop destroying others. If you want to change the life you have, you got to change the words you speak. I'm going to say that again because I think it's worth writing down. If you want to change the life you have, you need to change the words you speak. You make some small changes in the words you speak, and it'll make a big difference in the life that you have. Our words have the power of life, and our words have the power of death. The question is, which one do you want to be a purveyor of? Do you want to be a harbinger of hope? Do you want to be a speaker of life? Or do you want to be a divisor of death, a speaker of destruction? Which one do you want your mouth to be known for? I don't care what the nursery rhyme says. Sticks and stones, they will surely break your bones. But I'm telling you, once the bones heal... And the external wounds go away, it is the words that are said to us in anger and the words that are said to us in love that make all the difference in our life. When I was a kid, I would have taken a beating than to get a talking to. Because the beating would have been over in about 30 seconds. But my mom's talking to's, they seem to last forever forever. I still remember most of them, and they weren't always pleasant. We seem to remember words forever, but it's really not true. You see, we forget the good words much quicker than we forget the negative ones. They stick with us much longer. There are studies out there that say it takes this many compliments, and I don't know what the number is, to override one negative, how many? Seven. My wife says seven. She's smarter than me. I'm going to trust her. Uh, It takes seven positive statements to overcome one negative statement. In other words, and I said 20 in the first service, but I'll go with seven since she said it. If seven people tell you today, I like your dress, and one person says that they thought you looked fat in that dress, no matter how many thought it looked nice, the one person will prevent you from wearing that dress, if not forever, for a very long time until it's like the only thing you have clean and you forgot that you hadn't burned it and every store in town had nothing new to buy and you went through every thrift store just to check to see if somebody might have dropped something off yesterday that you needed and you couldn't find a gunny sack that was worth cutting the holes in to make it into a dress. (laughs) You will do anything to prevent you from wearing that dress again. It's funny how we remember the negative, right, and forget the positive. My daughter Abigail, she's been a wordsmith for as long as I can remember. Many of you have read some of her many things that she said on Facebook that my wife has shared over the years. Even through tears she can come up with a statement worthy of Facebook posting. And yet all the good statements that my daughter has made over the years, it's the one statement that at the age of 2 that I talk about more and more in the pulpit than any other when I corrected her and told her that we would go to McDonald's later and she didn't like it. And while I was talking to her, she went blah, 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 blah. That's the one I remember. Now in all seriousness, when I was a kid, my mom had a statement that she used on all three of us boys. We all heard it. You probably heard it once or twice as well. It simply said, if you don't have something good to say, don't say anything at all. And by good, We don't mean a smart comment. We don't mean something that shows how witty you are. If it doesn't edify, if it doesn't add value, if it doesn't, as this elderly pastor who's now passed on to be with Jesus used to say, if it doesn't improve upon the silence, just say nothing. I will take from that thought process my first of three principles for the day. Number one is this. If you can't say something helpful, skip it. How many times have we inflicted pain? How many times have we created a conflict? How many times have we caused someone to experience hurt or feel degraded because we couldn't just let it go? We couldn't let the conversation end. We couldn't not get the last word in. Don't elbow your spouse. That's not funny. (laughs) The Apostle Paul said it this way in Ephesians 4.29. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. If that doesn't convict some of us today, we're not really paying attention. Paul says, do not let anything unwholesome come out of your mouth. Keep that up there for me for just a moment. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Not what you want. Not what you want to correct them about. Not what you want to tell them that they've been doing wrong. I know all of that could help them, right? If you just correct them and straighten them out and get them straightened out. Uh Uh-uh. It's not about what you want for them. It's about what their needs are. So don't let unwholesome speech come out of your mouth, but rather let things that come that build up, that edify, that help people to grow according to their needs. What is it that they need in this situation? Do they need to be roasted on Facebook? Do they need to be told how bad of off they are? Do they need to hear that you don't like what they're doing? No. It's, that's according to your needs because you want to elevate yourself in their eyes. No, no, no. You need to do it according to their needs, and what they need might be an arm around the shoulder and a hug on, and a hug, and a, 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 a t- pat on the back and say, you know what, dude? I know you're going through a tough time right now. I love you, and I believe in you, and let's see the future come to pass in, your, in, the, in the eyes of God. I believe God's got great things for you. Because I promise that's going to go a whole lot farther and take me a whole lot farther than you coming up to me to let me know how all the things I did that you didn't like. That one verse alone, if applied, would cut out 75% of social media. And I haven't done an actual survey, so if you're one of those people that think I'm lying in the pulpit, I don't know if 75 is the exact number, but it cut out most of it. It would completely remove manipulative statements from society. It would eliminate many of your passive-aggressive statements that that are purely designed to get what you want instead of you actually saying what you want. Some of you, if you just applied this one verse to your life, to your marriage, to your parenting, to your work relationships, to to your friendships, then your whole time at church today will be well worth everything you invested to get here if you'll just apply that one verse to your life. The King James Version says this, if you can't say something helpful, shut thy trap. (laughs) It doesn't really say it, but it should. Like if I wrote the King James Version, I think that would be in there. But sometimes we just need to hear, shut my mouth. Don't elbow your spouse. Take this for you. Shut your mouth. Because if you're elbowing somebody, you probably need to elbow yourself. I know I do. I'm talking to me. I'm talking to you individually. You need to hear this. If you can't say something helpful, skip it. Close it. Bite it. Zip it. Don't say anything at all. In the words of Pastor Robin, shut it. Honestly, for some of you, the best thing that could happen to your relationships is for you to have your mouth wired shut and your phone taken from you because you think of all these great things to say. And before you know it, the conversation has escalated to a place where one of you is hurting and bleeding internally from the verbal jabs that are coming and you don't know how to respond except just to yell back and you end up launching missiles at one another until it's elevated way more than just arguing over the burnt toast. Let's be very simple today, very direct. If you can't say something that builds up, that edifies, that is helpful, just skip it words once they are out you can't get them back right I don't know if anybody's ever seen somebody do this but I'm going to do it anyway can I have a volunteer please thank you Kevin so see what I'd like to have happen today Kevin is after I've completed this and I'm going to squeeze every bit of it out I can Because some of you, you know, once you start talking, you can't shut up. Mm. (laughs) Now, I have set a plate up here, and I have a knife, I have a spoon, I have a fork, and what I'd really like to have happen is somehow you take all of that and get it back in here. Okay? You think you can do it? I know you try, but do you think it's realistic? No, no. You know, there's probably some engineer going, "Well, if we blew up the tube and we push all this into like a special thing, we could harness it." But here's the reality, folks: the "I'm sorry" knife, the "I'll make it up to you" spoon, the the fork that's designed to uh, remind you with flowers and candy just how much I love you, is never going to get this back in there. Thank you. Words, once they are out, you can't get them back. You can try. You can, Like Kevin, he was willing to try. You can apologize. You can try to cover them up with sweet things. But hateful words, words that hurt, words that bite, words that inflict pain, even if they forgive you, leave scars that remain. Once the toothpaste is out of the tube, I don't care how hard you try. You might as well just get to brushing because you are not going to get it back in. So if you can't say something helpful, just skip it. When I was preaching this morning, I didn't use this illustration, but I thought about it uh, when I was preaching, there's a father who had a, we're talking about the good good father, so this is a good father story he had a son who was struggling with anger, and every day he'd go to school and he'd get in trouble for being angry. And so the father in his wisdom told him every day that I get a teacher, note from the teacher about how you exploded in anger, you're going to take this hammer and this nail and you're going to go nail it in the back fence. And so every day the kid would come home, another note, man, he's out there hammering away. And then finally after probably 30 to 40 days he finally got the picture and he started controlling his anger and stopped saying things that were so ridiculous and outrageous and just got it together. And so his dad came up with a new plan. He said, son, for every day that you come home and you don't have a note from a teacher saying that you, were, that you got in trouble for being angry today, I want you to go out and I want you to pull a nail out of the fence. So after a while, the son came home really excited, man. He was down to his last nail. He pulled it out of the fence and he comes and running into the house and he said, dad, dad, look, no more nails in the fence. I'm so proud. I'm so excited. And the dad in his wisdom took him by the arm and he took him out there and he said, son, I'm so proud of you for getting your anger under control, but I want you to look at the, car, the carnage of the fence that's left behind, and there were holes all over the fence where he had destroyed by his anger. Sometimes we got to remember that things that we say cause lasting impacts on others in ways that they can never come back from completely. They can get healing, they can forgive, they can do all of that. But those thoughts remain because they were spoken over them in anger, and it's hard to overcome those things. And so you need to remember that when you get ready to speak to someone in anger. If it ain't helpful, skip it. Everybody just say, skip it. Now, the second principle today, we'll get a little, little more excited here. If you think something good, speak it. This is a rule that I try to apply and live out anytime I think something good about someone else, about God, about myself, about my circumstances. I want to give it life by speaking it. I don't just want to think it. I want to speak it out loud. Proverbs 16, 24 says, Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. I'm so thankful for people in my life that have spoken kind words to me, words that energize me, words that give me hope words that inspire me. I'm so glad that they didn't just think those words, but they actually shared them with me, that they spoke those words out loud. We do this a lot, don't we? Thinking about you. Hashtag blessed. Take your hashtag, your heart, and all of it and go somewhere else. I don't want you to think about me. I want you to tell me what you're thinking about me. Because you can think all day long, it does me no good. It gives me no life. It never helped me at all. Until you come in and say, bro, I was thinking about you the other day, and God told me to tell you. Or I was thinking about you the other day, man, and I'm so proud of you. I believe in you. God's got great things. Man, guess what? I feel better. It doesn't matter what the circumstances around my life are saying. You not only thought about me, but you spoke life into me. I'm so glad that people don't just think words, but they say them. Don't think of me, speak it out. When I was 13, an elderly man of God who I respected highly, Pastor Thompson's grandfather, came to me before a church service at a youth camp and said, hey, I was praying for you today, and God wants you to know he wants to talk with you specifically tonight. Make sure you're listening. He's got big plans for you. So I went to church that night. And if you've ever been to a youth camp, you know there's plenty of distractions. There's always cute girls. I'm 13. You know, I had a suit on. I was looking good, I'm sure. But that night, I didn't care about anything else. All I cared about was the preacher shutting up so I could go to the altar. Because somebody who I respected, who believed in me, said, God wants to talk to you tonight. And that night was the night I felt like God called me to preach and God gave me visions of something that would happen in my future. And in May of 1994, 23 or 28 years ago this month, another elderly man of God wrote me a note and said, as I was graduating college, you'll be a stabilizing force for whatever church or ministry you serve. You'll bring healing and emotional stability to many people. And 28 years later, that note still remains in my Bible. And there's something very special about it to me and here's what's special about it to me after 28 years i hadn't seen much of that come to pass that i thought anyway yes i've been stable i've been a, i've done some things there but You know what, it's now as I begin to help people through emotional crisis and begin to help people provide healing that I never thought I would be able to do. But because I've been through some stuff, God's allowed me to share that stuff and be a blessing to somebody else. And now we're at a place where I'm providing emotional healing for people. And guess what, that would have never been even a thought in my mind if Wayne R. Trout hadn't written me a note and said, Hey, this can happen for you. I believe God's going to bring it to pass. When I was an eight-year-old boy, I had a Sunday school teacher, Esther Carter, who every time she saw me, she called me her little preacher man. Her words planted a belief in my heart that God could use me, and because she did, when God would call me later on to preach, and I ended up preaching her funeral all because she gave voice to something she thought in her heart about me. If you think something good, speak it, because you never know the value you will add to someone's life. The healing you can bring through your words. The peace that you can add through your gracious and kind words. Speak it. I could go around this room and share with you time after time when someone has shown kindness to me through their willingness to share their words. Just this week, Randall Elliott sent me a message on my birthday. And I told my wife, I I said, this meant so much to me this week. I can't even begin to tell you. And now I'm going to have a hard time finding it on my phone. That's just how the devil works. But um, this is what he sent to me this week. My prayer is that you never lose a passion to preach and teach the word of the Lord. That your body will be made whole and full from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Your heart to be filled with hope and inspiration and love and laughter. Your finances to exceed your needs in order to help others. Your marriage and family to feel the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Happy birthday, my brother and friend. Let me tell you, that carried me all week long. I had to go to Duke this week and find out negative reports on my foot. But guess what? That carried me. That same man looks at my wife every time he sees her and he calls her director because he believes that she's going to be the director of the Hanover County CSB and he believes in her. You never know the value you'll add to someone's life by being willing to speak words of encouragement over them. I could go around this room and share with you example after example. One more example. When I was at my lowest point, I'd gone through so much loss was struggling with mistakes I'd made. And to be honest, I was having a hard time. I knew God had forgiven me, but the person I was struggling with forgiving me was me. I was struggling with me my, the most. And I'll never forget Kevin Deloney's dad, uh, one of our sound men, Lamar. His dad was visiting from Louisiana, and he didn't know me at all. I had never met him. He walked up to me, and he put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, God says if, you can forg- if he can forgive you, who are you to withhold forgiveness? You need to forgive yourself. And he turned And he walked away. No explanation. He just said what God told him to say. That statement set me free in ways that I can't even begin to tell you. It also gave me a friend in Lamar and Kevin that I am so thankful for to this day. He invites me every time he comes to town to come spend time with him, and he blesses me because he always shares something else God's telling him for me. Words are so powerful. I'm not going to lie to you. One One of my love languages is words of affirmation, and I soak up words when people share them with me. But I don't care who you are, and I don't care what your love language is. Having somebody speak words of kindness and affirmation over your life ought to elevate you to the next level. It ought to take you higher. Why? Because they're speaking life into your life. Words are so powerful, and when you think something good, send a text, post a comment, pick up a phone and call. Say those words. Write that note. Tell them every single good thought that you've had. Tell them every good thing about them you can remember if you have to. Make it a rule. If I think it, I'm going to speak it. You want to change your relationships? Every time you think something good, say it. Make it a rule. Don't ever hold a blessing back. Why rob someone else from being a, from a blessing that you have By giving them life. We'll sing that song, Speak Life. We'll use it as a hashtag. We'll even act like it's our motto. But don't say speak life. Actually do it. Actually speak life and watch the blessings of God flow out of you into others through powerful use of your words. Every time you think it, say it. Not just to other people, but say it to yourself. Because if you were to conduct a word audit of the words you speak to yourself, I think you would find that many of us are saying very negative things to ourselves you're speaking life taking not life giving words you're so stupid I can't believe you did that you look fat you are so fat you're such a waste of human flesh why are you so stupid life taking words self-fulfilling prophecies words have power and even words you say to yourself can be hurtful and tear down your own self-esteem you know David in the Bible I love looking at his story It has so many layers of, of just amazing things but one time when he was worried about that he was going to be stoned, they came from a battle. They found that while they were gone, the enemy they were fighting the enemy on one front, and the enemy circled around and came in and killed, killed their people, uh, took their wives and children, burned their homes, destroyed everything, killed their servants. It was bad. And uh, David's men, who he'd been out fighting with, were blaming David, and they were ready to stone him. And the Bible says that David spoke life-giving words to himself. Notice 1 Samuel chapter 30. It says, And David was greatly distressed. For the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people were grieved, and every man for his sons and for his daughters. They were grieving. But it says, David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. I love that. He encouraged himself. Every now and then, I just have to preach to myself. I don't know about you, but I need to talk to myself some days. My wife knows if she hears like this low voice talking in the bathroom, I'm probably preaching to myself. I'm telling myself, reminding myself that I'm not who others think I am. I'm not who my enemies think I am. I'm not even who the church thinks I am. I am who Jesus says I am. I'm telling myself that God believes in me, that he has entrusted me to do his will, that his hands are on my life, that my dad owns a cattle on a thousand hills and that his stripes provided for my healing and his wounds purchased my salvation and his righteousness is on my life. That he is working all things for my good to bring about good because I love him and I'm called according to his purpose. Sometimes you got to speak life to yourself. Every now and then you just got to give yourself words of life and affirmation, encouraging yourself. And if your room's not the bathroom to do it in, find you another room. Go in a closet, ride down the road, do whatever you got to do. Go take a walk by the fence, but whatever you got to do, if you're in a low place, don't be afraid to speak life to yourself. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Which brings me to our third principle for you today. By way of review, if you can't say something helpful, if you think something good, and finally our third principle, if you want to see it, say it. If you want to see it, say it. You need to say what you need to see. I'm not talking about the John Mayer song, say what you need to say. I'm saying say what you need to see. If you want to see it, say it. And what I'm not saying today is like, I want to see a Mercedes in my garage in Jesus' name. (laughs) I'm not saying that. I'm not preaching some name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, a Mercedes in every garage and a Cadillac in every driveway and a plane in every hangar. I'm not saying that. But I'm talking about saying what is consistent with God's truth. God, I believe you want to bless my marriage and you say it. You say it with conviction. You say it with wisdom. You say it with understanding, and you say it with gusto. God, you want to bless my marriage. You say what you want to see. Jesus said in Matthew 17 and 20, For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will think about the mountain, post on Facebook about the mountain, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you will go on Twitter and complain about how the mountain is in your way. You'll file a complaint with the county, how the mountain view blocks your view of the sunset. You'll tell your neighbors how much you wish the mountain didn't exist. No, it says, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, go back one for me. You will say to this mountain, say to this mountain. Say to this mountain, move from here to there and it'll move and nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus said, if you say to the mountain and you have faith to see it removed, then it'll be removed. And Ezekiel, God said, prophesy to the dead bones, speak to the dry bones. Ezekiel didn't go, Lord, these bones are pretty dusty. Ezekiel didn't go, you know what, God, that is a mess. And... I think my ministry would be better suited if I could talk to some people that are alive. He said, son of man, preach to the bones. And Ezekiel began to preach to the bones. And some of y'all, you know, you like them zombie shows, walking dead, whatever. I promise you, Ezekiel had the best walking dead picture of all time. Because as he began to speak, bones began to snap back into place sinew and muscle began to grow on the bones. Organs began to appear in places where they were no more. Skin began to form on the outside of the muscle structure that had been created by the bones coming back together. And what was once just a big pile of dust suddenly was an army being raised up because one man stood out in the midst of a valley and began to speak. If you want to see it, say it. Say, God, I believe you're going to work in my life. God, by faith, I believe you're going to heal this person that I'm praying for. God, by faith, I believe you're going to help us get out of debt. If you want to see it, say it. Because if you want to change your world, you got to change your words. You want to make a big difference in the way you live, you've got to make a small change in the words that you speak. So there's power in our words. Every time you speak, don't miss this. Apply it. I promise it will make a big difference. Every time you speak, consider the value. Consider the creative power that are in the words that you speak. What is it that you truly want from God? Speak it out with faith and believe God to bring it to pass. For example, if you're talking about your marriage, guess what you don't say? Man, I am so sick and tired of my wife. Uh, You know, over 50% of them end in divorce anyway. It's not going to work. Marriage (laughs) gonna get better. Pretty good chance you already wrote your own fate. I'm pathetic. I never make a difference. I never get the breaks. My life always going to suck. Pretty good chance it will. Your words are powerful. If instead you have integrity and you say, you know what? My marriage isn't going right right now. But I'm going to surrender my heart to God. I'm going to love her as Christ loved the church. I believe God is going to bring healing to my marriage. And you begin to speak life into that marriage. Even when it's not there yet, you begin to speak life over that marriage. I believe God can begin to do some things that only he can do. You do your part. You be the best you you can be. And let God provide the rest. I know we're in debt right now, but. We're going to live, learn to live beneath our means. We're going to work hard, and with God's help, we're going to climb out of debt, and we're going to be able to mass, be massively generous and be a blessing, and the overflow of God's mercies on us are going to touch other people. Begin to talk like that instead of looking at your checkbook and go, you know what? It's in the red. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. I don't know what we're going to do. God, you must have forgot about me. Right? Uh-uh. Lord, I know where it's at, but I know where you can take it. Your thoughts matter because they become your words. Your words matter because they become your actions. Your actions matter because they become your habits. Your habits matter because what you do repeatedly is who you become. And if you make some small changes in the words you speak, you can make a big difference in the life you live. If you can begin making these faith statements and then declare it, your words are powerful. They become alive and they come to pass as you believe them and stand on them. The Lord doesn't want. The Lord really wants me to say that, but somebody doesn't. Why don't we all stand together if the musicians and the praise team would come. If you want to see it, say it. Again, I'm not talking about speak your way to a million dollars. Speak for your Lamborghini outside when you walk out of here today. I'm saying, speak those things that God desires for you that are not and hold on in faith until they become exactly what God is declaring in your life. Joe Hardy last week thankful you're here today buddy. Last week we're standing at the back corner of the church. He knew I had to go to Duke this week. He knew that I'm facing this surgery and all the stuff that they've been telling me. And he looked at me and he said Rodney I'm just believing God is going to completely miraculously heal you. And I looked at him and I said Joe I received that. And then I said speaking those things that aren't as though they were and he said I believe that's somewhere in the book Abraham according to Paul it was given to him for righteousness because he believed God's word when God spoke to him and he began to live as if he was the father of a great nation even though he had no children and the Bible says his wife and him were well beyond the years of child rearing or birthing but he began to live his life as if he already had 12 tribes that were coming out of, his, out of him, right, in his lineage. He just lived it even though it hadn't come to pass yet. And I just picture old Abraham out on his journey looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. Trying to find where God's taking him. And he's got his rebellious nephew Lot and that's about all he's got. But I just picture old Abraham when he meet people on the road. Hey, what's your name? Jordan, I'm, my name's Abraham. One day, all my sons and daughters are going to cross over your river. And They're going into a land flowing with milk and honey. All my kids. And I just picture Jordan looking over my shoulder like, dude, you got nobody. You got that one dude playing with the goats, but that's all you got. And I know you can't see it right now, but God told me. And I'm seeing it as if it's already here. You see, that's what faith really is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith was the children that he hadn't had yet, but was hoping for. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. (laughs) I know it's just a cloud of dust back there right now, but there's an army coming of people, I promise you. My Sunday school teacher told me when I was just a little boy, faith. Is reaching out and grabbing hold of nothing and hanging on to it until it becomes something. I'm telling you today, we need to learn to, the power of beginning to speak things that are not as though they already are. Beginning to believe in faith that what he has promised, he is well able to perform. Beginning to speak out in faith that I'm going to reach out and grab hold of what looks like nothing right now, and I'm going to hang on to it until it becomes something something I told this in first service he said I could do it again I I didn't ask the first time uh, so Jordan a few months back felt like he wanted to make a career change he wanted to decide he wanted to be a a firefighter Hanover County EMS was hiring and he put in an application and he didn't sign his teacher contract to return to teach Like, "Mm, okay and so he calls and says hey I'm gonna do this you know da 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 Tells his mom, tells me, and in my heart it went. Haley and Jordan going to move in with us. <laughs> Haley still got a job, but you know, <laughs> still. Uh-huh. And so, my first thought wasn't right, but I didn't say it. I said, "Son, you sure that's what you want to do? You feel good about that? You feel like that's what you want to do?" Yeah, Dad, I do. And in my mind, I thought, well, there's so many teachers openings. If nothing else works out, he can go back to each But I didn't say it. I just said, all right, son. We're going to pray with you and believe God, right? Okay. So all this time, I mean, time's gone. I mean, this was like, what, March, right? So it's July. And job starts August 1st. And uh, I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. He didn't know yet. And so I'm like, okay, Lord you got to help him but in my mind I was thinking that but in my spirit in my my mouth I began to tell people man Jordan's going to be a firefighter he's going to be an EMS agent he's going to go out and and, and it ain't going to be long he's going to be elevated because I know my son and he's going to be running the whole I don't know if there's any firefighters in here for Hanover County I'm just telling you here's your future boss he's going to be running the whole show and on August 1st, he starts because he heard this week that he's got the job. He stepped out in faith and said, "God, I'm going to trust you to meet it." And when he stepped out, guess what? The, the 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 road rose to his foot, and he met it with in faith. We gotta sometimes we gotta take a leap of faith and trust God is going to meet it and speak it as if it's already happened. I'm telling you, the reason Randall Elliott looks at my wife and says, "Director." It's because she's gonna be the director. She's gonna run the whole show. And it's not because her last name's Pavey, though that might have something to do with it. I don't know. But it's because she's that good. And just waiting for the world to recognize it. And so we speak it as if it's already been done. And so today, my question for you is: what is it that God has promised you that has been spoken over your life? What is it that What are the words that have been told to you that give you life, that give you hope, that give you a future? Jeremiah said it so beautifully when he said that the plans that God has for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans for a hope, and a future. My daughter's favorite verse. Today, I want this whole congregation to get a hold of that verse for just a moment. God's plans for you are so much wider, so much deeper, so much larger than what you could ever comprehend on your own. And today I want you to begin to speak those over your life. God, the plans that you have for me, bring them to pass, Lord. God, the plans you have for my children, bring them to pass, Jesus. God, every dream you put in my life, every dream you put in their heart to accomplish, God, I pray that you would begin to work now. Position people in the right places, God. Lead them to the right things. Open the right doors. Direct their lives. Give them hope. Give them future. Give them encouragement. Give them peace about the situations that there is. God, I pray all over this house today that we would reach out in faith and take hold of what seems like nothing right now. But in faith, we would hold on to it and realize that it only takes a mustard seed, a small grain to get a hold of the greatest of faith to move mountains. They're going to sing this song, Made a Way. And in closing today, I want you to remember every time God has made a way for you. Because that should fuel your faith to know that whatever you're going through right now, He is well able to make a way again. And again, and again, and again. So I want to open this altar today. If you're here, there are things that God has spoken over your life or things that you're believing him for. I want us to come and surrender them one more time to him in faith. Speak them out loud and say, God, that's the way I want it to happen. I want to see it come to pass, God. If you if you want it, speak it out today in the name of Jesus as they began to sing. You made a
1: way when our backs were against the wall, and today
0: song is because it, it genuinely forces us to consider all the blessings that God has put in our life and that God has made a way and that God is able to continue to make a way. The Bible, in the book of Revelation says that the saints overcame the enemy or overcame him by the word of their testimony and the blood of the lamb, which we got the blood of the lamb covered, right? That's already been shed at Calvary 2,000 years ago. Christ went there and died for each and every one of us. We can't do anything to improve that or change that. That's been done. Apply the blood to your life. Your sins are gone. You are, they are buried in the waters of baptism. You don't ever have to repeat those or look back at those again. But our part on it is the word of our testimony. So many things have happened in our life and we have the responsibility to not let them be the seeds of our testimony they have to be the words of our testimony. They need to be verbalized, they need to be vocalized, they need to be told, they need to be shared, they need to be given to somebody else. And we have the opportunity to do that in such amazing ways in the lives of others. And so I wanna challenge you this week to begin to realize that your words have power. And when you begin to verbalize the things that God has done in your life, you give power to other people to believe God is able to do it in their life. And so I encourage you to do that. There's other people in the room today that I'll be honest, you're hurting. And you've been hurting because people spoke negative things about you that you believed. And you've allowed those beliefs to continue to haunt you. The Bible tells us that if we want to overcome strongholds in our life or things that are holding us hostage, we need to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So some of us have thoughts in our life that we didn't think them for ourselves. They were put on us by others. And i want to encourage you today that you need to replace those thoughts with what jesus thinks about you one of the counseling techniques i use as a pastoral counselor for particularly for people who read their bible is i encourage them as they're reading their bible throughout the week to make note of the things that god says about them and so i want to encourage you this week take my challenge i want you as you read your bible this week as you study as you have devotion time I want you to make note of the things that God says about you. How much he loves you. How his future, your future is secure in him, how he's got plans for you that are bigger than what you dreamed of for yourself. How you you have a hope and you have a future and, and your sins have been washed away and that your future is secure in Christ Jesus. I want you to notice all the times that He tells you how much He loves you through His Word. And begin to think on those things whatsoever things are good lovely pure report if there be any virtue there be any praise let's think on those things the word of god is filled with promises he has made for your life write them down put them in front of your eyes and when you begin to think negatively about yourself pull out the word of god in your in that list that you made and began to think a positive thought that could take away the negative today if you've been told that you are rotten you don't have to believe that. You know what you can believe? I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. If you told your week weak that you're going to fail, you uh-uh. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus, through him who loved me. You can find the word of God that will replace every lie the enemy has ever told you. Just go looking this week and allow God's word to speak and minister to your life. Thank you for being here today. Brother Gary, would you come? Hey, thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future. Also, take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.